All right, welcome back to the Wrestling Perspective podcast on the Wrestling Inc. Network. You can go to WrestlingInc.com, go over to the Facebook page, follow them on Twitter. You can follow us, the Wrestling Perspective, on uh, Facebook at the Wrestling Perspective. Uh, I think we got it. No, we don't have a Twitter account, do we, Mr. P.D. Williams? Well, I mean, we have our individual Twitter accounts. Combine those together, and that's what we get. (laughs) What are we going to be, like, P.D. Denna? (laughs) <laughs> we have to think of a Brangelina name. Yes. Like 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 uh Dennis and Petey, like Didi or something like that. Oh. Be <laughs> Don't start that. People will start calling us that and we'll regret even putting that out there. Yeah, I shouldn't have said anything. Way to go. <laughs> we'll edit that out not. Um what is your Twitter account just for those wondering? Uh I Petey Williams. That's oh. my handle right there. Okay, you can find me at Dennis77 Farrell or soon to be I Petey Williams. I guess we have to combine our Twitter handles, I guess. We got a lot to talk about on this podcast. We got some stories to tell and we got some questions. Uh, let me ask you, I let's get the question out of the way first. I did okay. the Monday night raw review with one Mr. Matt Morgan, and he wanted me to ask you a, a question. He wanted me to ask you if you had to put him in the Canadian destroyer, how would you do that? <laughs> Could you, um, is it possible? Well, first, well, um, well, first, did Matt say hi, or did he just, like... I think he said hi. He was okay, like, tell PD I said hi. Okay. I hope you guys didn't talk uh, too much trash about me. No, no, no. I think he said that you were just scared to resign with Impact because you were afraid to face him. <laughs> oh, you know what? 100% true. I will back that story up. Um, how would I put him in the Destroyer? Ah, uh, that's a good question. You know, I'd probably have to... Like bring him, I'd have to stand on the second turnbuckle to give it to him, probably, because I don't think he would be able to lower his head that far. <laughs> He'd be like kissing his toes or something like that. Yeah. Um, that that's probably. I mean, I've given it to guys. I, I've given it to uh, Zach Gowan, the one-legged um, guy, one-legged, right? Yeah. And I had to because he has trouble standing, like bent over like that. Like he would have been all wobbly and stuff because you know his, his weights kind of on one side obviously um well, we went on the i went on the second rope the second turnbuckle just so he didn't have to bend down as far as zach believe it or not is a tall guy he's like six foot or something like that um and we did it and it was it was awesome you know because he's, he's really top heavy so it actually helped my momentum with the move mm-hmm. um another guy you know a pretty big dude is uh um bobby rude I remember, man, I, I feuded with Bobby Roode on TNA after the Team Canada stuff for a while. We did, like, pay-per-views together and everything. And he, he never wanted to do the Destroyer just because, you know, and I understand. I've never asked anybody that wasn't comfortable doing the movie. It's a flipping pile driver. Right. You know, I mean, think about it. It's a flipping pile driver. So just I would never ask a guy if they volunteered, sure. If they weren't comfortable with doing it, fine. We'll do something else. I, I there's other things we could do in a match. It's not solely based on one move. So uh, he, he never wanted to take it. And uh, I'm like, oh, oh, dude, no problem. But then it was, we were working for, uh, I think, primetime wrestling. It was it was in Detroit, the Belleville area. Um, he kind of always did double shots with Scott DeMore when he ran Border City. So they flew in talent all on the same, same day. Like Scott would do like a... A Saturday night, and then Sunday afternoon we would do that that primetime wrestling. 
And then it was their very, very last show. They were, they were closing the doors and um, Bobby Roode was their champion. And then, you know, Dave, who ran the show, always a big fan of mine, I guess. And he said, you know, for this last show, I, I want to put you over for the, for the title. You're going to face Bobby. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then um, me and Bobby are, you know, meet up. We, I said, okay, man, what do you want to do for the finish? And he says, the Canadian Destroyer. And what? I go, shut the hell up. I'm like, seriously, what do you want to do? Let's, you know, figure this thing out. We're up soon. And he's like, no, seriously, I, th- I think I could take it. And I'm like, really, dude? And he's like, yeah. It's like, you know, we're talking about it. I said, dude, I said, we've wrestled each other for like years. And now, like when it's not even in front of a lot of people or like on pay-per-view, <laughs> you want to do this move? And he goes, yeah. And I said, Ugh. all right. So I don't know what. I don't know what got into him. He wanted to do it. So we go out there, we do the match, and then here comes the destroyer. You know, I'm like, let's see, let's see if I, I kill this guy or not. And uh, <laughs> Wait, let's see if I kill this guy or not. Yeah, I mean, you know, because usually when guys aren't feeling comfortable with it, um, they don't give it their all and or they mess up somehow. Like, there's been botched Canadian destroyers. I've, I'll tell you about that in a second. Um, but so we hit the move. Man, it was awesome. It was like a, a, a Chris Saban or Sanjay Dutt or AJ Styles taking the move. It was, it was. I, I landed perfect, and I was. You could, if you were watching the DVD, you could see the shock on my face. And he lands, and I go, "Oh my god, that was awesome!" I whispered to him, and he's just laying down, arms spread out on the mat, looking up at the at the lights, and just goes, "Textbook." <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, uh, I, I started laughing right away, and that was that. And then I don't—I've never wrestled Bobby Roode again after that. <laughs> let me ask, before you get into your your botched one. Let me ask you this: Was there ever somebody? Because you've now said you know Rude and CM Punk were two guys that didn't want to take it. Was there somebody that you thought, nah, there's no way this guy will want to take it, and he surprised you by saying, oh yeah, let's do it. Um. Actually, oh, yeah, yes. Um, Samoa Joe, believe it or not. Um, and, and believe this or not, Samoa Joe and I, for as long as we've been in the same company together, we have never had a singles match. Never. Hmm. Like, Samoa Joe went through that that time when they were building him up in the X Division as a wrecking machine or whatever. Um, they've never had me in a singles match one-on-one with him. I've, I've wrestled tag matches, even on, uh, like, our... our live events or house shows I, i've done tags with him i've never had a singles match with him so one day we're all you know i guess we could say partying in a hotel room and you know we're all shooting the breeze laughing and whatever and joe's just kind of like sitting on the bed like leaning back on the headboard and i could see him as we're all talking and stuff he's just eyeballing me, like just really eyeballing me and i'm thinking in my head like you know i catch his eye and I'm thinking, like, man, is Joe mad at me? I mean, I, I, I don't remember saying or doing anything to him today. And he just keeps doing it. And then finally, in the middle of all of our conversations, he goes, hey, Petey. And I'm thinking in my head, like, oh, man. I'm like, what did I do? And he goes, I think I could take the Canadian Destroyer. <laughs> so I start laughing. I'm like, dude, that's what you were thinking about this entire time? Like, can I take the Canadian Destroyer? So... I, I was like, um, okay. I said, if we ever wrestle each other, you know, for sure, let's do it. He's like, 
all right. I don't I mean I don't know if the alcohol was talking for him, but uh, I mean we never got a chance to to do it. But I'm I'm glad that's what he that came out of his mouth, not like, hey you, and I pissed him off somehow. That that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Before we talk about some current wrestling stuff, I got one more question for you. So okay. sometimes I like the, and you don't know this is coming. Sometimes okay. I like to peruse the internet and read articles. You know, you have the sportster stuff that, you know, 10 best this or these guys did. Do you, do you, do you read those things? Um, yeah, sometimes if I run across them. How many have you come across with you in them? Um, I'm, I'm always usually in the uh, uh, best wrestling like finishing moves or whatever I'm, I'm usually in a i mean I, I don't i don't count them like there's some of them i see that they're like 10 best wrestling finishes and it's like you know the stone cold stunner and i'm like what what like that's a, okay sure so obviously they were made by a different type of fan maybe an all wwe fan but um yeah you know usually usually i'm in that one a weird one i was in my buddy um texted me and he said you're in like what was it called like the top 10 guys uh tna dropped the ball with or something like that and i think i was like number 10 aj was up there 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 was a lot of guys in that like how they should have booked them differently or did whatever i don't know so i'd say it's it's mostly the, the move though that's what i'm in but yeah, I've seen myself in a lot of them. All right. Well, I found one from one of the bigger sites called the Sportster. I don't know when it was, but it was. And th- it, they don't really call you out here, but I want to ask you because I didn't. We're friends, but I, okay. I, I, I know P.D. Williams a person more than P.D. Williams a wrestler. So I just okay. – I, it struck me kind of odd. It was the uh, top eight wrestlers that failed after leaving TNA. And I don't – feel like you failed after leaving TNA. I, I I think you did pretty good, right? Yeah. I mean, I went on, uh, you know, right away I went to All Japan, did some tours there, um, did Ring of Honor, uh, Tommy Dreamer's House of Hardcore, a bunch of independent stuff. Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't say I failed. I didn't go to, like, WWE or anything like that. But at that time, that avenue wasn't quite open to the small guys either. No, no, it was, I, I remember at the time, like, you know, I was talking to some of the guys that, uh, not not the bookers, but the guys that helped uh, scout or the performance center and stuff like that, and they weren't even interested in guys like Samoa Joe or AJ, none of those guys, and now they're their top guys, so I mean, re- the wrestling business changes, um, but I think right after I was done TNA, my agent kind of reached out to WWE. Um, and I think at the time, I think they had the OVW NXT wasn't even around mm-hmm. and I feel like they would have gave me a shot, but they would probably want me to relocate to, um, Louisville or wherever it was at the time. And that just, that, that wasn't an option for me. That, that goes along to one of our fan tweet questions. We'll get to that a little bit later, but, okay. uh, you know, the, the, it was not a, a very bad article on you you came in at number four by the way top five congratulations <laughs> oh great who was like number one or whatever uh i didn't get that far i stopped okay. when i saw your name i was kind of shocked but i i 
it open any other names or you remember I, I have it here we'll go through here in a second but okay. you know it, it opens up very flattering you were x division champion amazing finisher you know great wrestling skills uh you know goes into didn't quite get the credible role on tna television after your time as team canada here's where my questions come in here and and i'll read it to you and you can i don't want to say defend because educate me that's more where i'm going uh it says tna wasted him for many years and eventually fired him with no real explanation as to why williams tried to continue his career on the independent circuit uh roh booked him for a few shows before claiming they didn't have space for him on the roster williams just couldn't justify wrestling keeping his career alive and change past to support the family you would have to wonder if things would have been better if he left TNA earlier before they wasted him for many years in his prime. That's how the article read. Hmm, interesting. I mean, and that's what I like about wrestling and how everybody has their own opinion. They, they see things in a different way. I, I've never saw it in that light before I thought of it that way. Um, so just going back. So ROH, um, I've never really had a conversation with ROH at all about like why they weren't using me like we never had a conversation it was i wasn't under contract with them you know i was i knew i was in there to like kind of enhance their guys i worked with austin aries it seems like i feud with him forever um and you know i did i don't know i would, I would say i was with them for six months on and off kind of and adam pierce who, who works for wwe now you know he, he was the booker at the time and he would say he would contact me and say, Hey, are you open these dates? And I would say yes or no. And, you know, I would go work for them. Um, and then eventually I think they gave me a check. They used to pay me in cash under the, the table because I wasn't under contract, but then they paid me a check. And obviously back in those ROH days, it bounced. And then I, I brought that up. <laughs> that it bounced and then they sent me a new one and paid for the bounce fee whatever that it's 30 bucks or whatever and that one went through and that was kind of the last ever ever heard of them I, I and i didn't and i'm not and that's why i mean you guess i could you could say I, I failed because i i wasn't a hustler when it came to getting my bookings and stuff i would never say like call up promoters and be like hey you got a spot for me um anything like that i i just it's not that i didn't care I was just like, you know what? If you want to book me and pay my fee, I'm here. You know, if you don't, then I'm going to stay at home. I mean, it's it's no big deal to me. Right. You know, I'm going to save my body. I'll entertain you if I, you want me to entertain you. I mean, I don't know if that's the right mind frame or what people want to hear, but that's just how I felt. And, you know, it did take a big toll mentally on me when I got released from TNA. Uh, I think we talked about that before. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of like, you know you're living a dream then it gets ripped from you for no reason and you're just kind of you kind of reevaluate your life at that time and what you're doing with it and i think that's why it's so hard for me to kind of jump right into it and go back to tna because you know history repeats itself you know what if they get different bookers again and they don't have the same vision and oh pd williams is done again kind of deal so ah, but yeah. we'll talk more about that because you know we yeah. have to do the the Every show is TNA, is PD going back to TNA watch. So we'll do that a little bit later. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about some more current stuff. Uh, great balls of fire, PD Williams. Oh, God. Did you hear the 
change the name of Bad Blood to Great Balls of Fire. Not only that, but that's going to be the pay-per-view that we get to see Brock Lesnar on. Oh, okay, so that's that, that's good, but... Is it? Let's, uh, I feel like you're wasting them. Yeah, okay, so the name... So, okay. That Great Balls of Fire, what's the first thing you think of when you think of that, that Great Balls of Fire? Uh, Top Gun or Jerry Lee Lewis? Jerry Lee Lewis, like in the 50s he made that that song like one of his first hits or whatever so that's old right old mm-hmm. so wwe did you notice that they stopped naming their wrestlemanias yes or, or not naming uh numbering them i did so we just finished wrestlemania 33 but they stopped i don't, I don't know when they stopped doing it at 30 29 but they feel like oh you know it's uh it sounds too old but do you ever look at the Super Bowl and be like, oh, Super Bowl 51, oh, this is too old. It's 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 not hip enough to watch. No, absolutely not. So WWE's just worried about, you know, looking or sounding too old, not hip enough. But then they get great balls of fire. That's like, come on, man. I think everybody thinks, that's our age anyways, think of that Jerry Lee Lewis song back in the 50s. I mean, that, that sounds super old. So I, I don't know where they're their head is or who made that name i mean they could have thought of any other name like white paper pay-per-view like i mean that would have been better than great balls of fire not by much (laughs) that's my take on it uh, no i am absolutely with you it is one of the worst great balls of fire seems like something you would see in like memphis wrestling exactly old school like uh, whatever. Maybe, hey, you know what? Maybe it'll be like the best pay-per-view ever. Do you really think so? No, no. Hey, what what did you think of Payback? Because we didn't really do a Payback review show or yeah. a, a preview show. But go, going in, I thought this was going to be a horrible pay-per-view. Then I kind of looked back at the card and said, you know what? Maybe it's going to be better than I thought. And the pay-per-view ultimately to me was way better than I thought it was. But, boy, let's talk about that House of Horrors match. Yeah. Oh man. Um so yeah, I thought the pay-per-view was better than I expected. A lot of good matches and I think where they and I really liked the Austin Aries Neville match. I thought that was um, great. Yeah, and even the finish I liked. I mean that that's perfect because you got to look at where they stand in their feud right now. If Aries were to lose straight up, then then who's Neville's going to feud with next? So they they kind of needed an out like that, like a DQ finish that totally made sense. Um, that way the Aries could come back and they could get a third match out of them. Perfect. Perfect booking in my mind. Um, but, yeah, like it seemed like they had a lot of steam. And then as soon as that House of Horrors match happened, it just I think it drained the crowd. And I felt bad for Seth Rollins and Samoa Joe because the way I look at it, it's always tough when you're on an independent show. There's, you know, the way the way. You, you normally book a show as the the first match is fun, exciting, um, babyface goes over, right? Second match is usually the worst match in your card. And this isn't necessarily pay-per-view. This is just how an indie independent booking works. And then uh, uh, probably like your your second top match will be right before intermission. And then usually put something, it's called a popcorn match, the match right after intermission. Everybody's coming back from their seats. They're not really that into it. Um that's where it felt like Samoa Joe and Seth Rollins were the popcorn match mm. because they had to kind of get the crowd back from the bad taste of their mouth of the house of horrors match. I mean, that was just, you know, and I think 
the reason why people love wrestling so much is because it's live action. It's like live theater, you know, and they don't want to see a, a, a produced wrestling match. I know I don't. So when they give them that, the crowd's like, I, I don't want to see this. I want to see the live guys in the ring doing their thing, non-produced, just be live. You know, I mean, that's my take. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know what? I'm kind of with you. Uh, you know, a lot of my problems were, I don't know if you saw any of my tweets during it. I saw a few. <laughs> Thanks for replying to them, by the way. Oh no! Well, I just I had to throw out Michael Jackson Thriller because as soon as he, saw, he came up to, in that the darkness and then uh, you know the the music the campy music and I was like oh yeah where's the werewolf at is he gonna turn into one I laughed at your tweet by the way oh thank you but you know I my big question was you're in San Jose at seven o'clock at night and it's daytime it's daytime in San Jose at seven seven o'clock at night. But now you're feeding us this pre-recorded stuff. By the way, it was filmed in Missouri um, at a house that was trying to sell for like $36,000. So, nice. Yeah. But uh, it was filmed a few days earlier. I just – I didn't quite understand it. It's pitch black in this video. It took me totally out of it. Uh, you know, how, how does Randy Orton teleport? Since when does he, does he teleport all the time now? Does oh, yeah. He, does he have sure. not the most amazing Uber driver in the world? He must. I mean, there's a, and the thing is, everybody knows wrestling is scripted. Okay. And that's what? The thing. And, and, and I, but the fans still suspend their belief and they watch the show knowing that, you know, a guy's get hit in the face a hundred times in, in real life in boxing unprotected. I mean, you're going to get knocked out after one. So people will suspend their belief to a certain extent when it comes to professional wrestling. But I mean, when you go that far, you're like, okay, now you're in, it feels like an insult of the fans intelligence. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I would yeah. have been, I would have been just as happy if this was kind of a boiler room thing you had, you, you know, you may have scared up a little bit part of the stadium to make it a little creepy and you did the match there. And, but it, it instantly ruined it for me where they kept saying, it's going to start here, but end in the ring. Like, what? Why Why even put that in there? You just – I it didn't make sense to me. I still didn't know because you know, I was watching the pay-per-view, but I had other stuff to do. So, you know, once, once Bray left the house and he said, take him to the arena, I'm like, all right. And when they pitched it back and they're like, oh, you know, they have to – because I don't think – I think I missed the intro of the match, of the, the rules – so I didn't know you had to finish the match in the ring kind of deal. So until they said that later, I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, wow, this is really weird. It, it, you know, and like but they, they did something like that with, remember Goldust and Roddy Piper at one of the WrestleManias? Yes, like, which was good. Yeah, yeah that was done good because they drove around and it was the same type of daylight because I think they were in California too at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and – you know, it was all good, and they finished in the in the ring. This was just, I mean, it was it's a little bit too far. And you know, I think WWE knows they made a mistake, and I don't think you're going to see it again. And you know, I think they're testing the waters, which you do in pro wrestling, and it's done. And I don't think we have to worry about it anymore. I made the comparison. Uh, you know, you were a WWF guy back in the day. I was a WCW. But if you ever have a chance, go back and watch the old school Black Scorpion angle with Sting. 
it was to me one of my it was one of the worst but one of my all-time favorites because it kind of hit me as a kid and it left a you know I never stood the test of time it didn't stand the, it didn't stand the test of time then when it was live but go back and watch that that was great and this is what it it kind of reminded me of was something that could have ended great but they just you know they zigged when they should have zagged yeah I, I think if I think it would have been done if they had the proper daylight, okay, first off, and if they didn't have so many, if it wasn't so produced, you know, like they had different camera angles and then cut into the baby dolls and all that kind of stuff. I think if it was just one camera kind of trying to keep up with them and stuff, even two cameras, that's fine. But when they kept doing the cutaways and stuff and the music, you know, and, and where's the ref? Like, there was no referee. Like, so it wasn't even really a match until they got to the ring. Um, yeah, so I, I think they could have did it a little bit better. What Was there anything you enjoyed in that match other than Jinder Mahal coming out? Yeah, I, the end was it. fine. You know, the, the end was fine. Um, it, it was it was so bad it was good, I thought. Like, the whole <laughs> – like, it was, it was one of those things where, like I said, I was watching Michael Jackson Thriller. I'm like, this is – so bad it's fantastic. I, I can't explain it. Um, but no, I mean, it, they were just brawling in a house that looked creepy and okay, great. I mean, <laughs> there, there was nothing about a house of horrors or anything like that, I feel. I, you know, I keep thinking that kind of like The Rock, you, you, you had SmackDown because of The Rock. I think The Rock had his own pay per view at one point. I would yep. love to see the WWE bring back Halloween Havoc and old WCW pay-per-view and build it around Bray Wyatt. You could build that for a year around Bray Wyatt, and it would be amazing. Yeah, that's a great idea. Halloween Havoc is, you know, when I look at WCW pay-per-views, like which ones I remember the names, you know, Starcade, Halloween Havoc, um, Fall World Brawl, War III, you know, all that, all War that kind games. of stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't see why not because they don't have a WWE doesn't have a Halloween themed um, type of pay per view, so it'd be good if they had a Halloween Havoc. I I, I agree with you one hundred percent on that. And they could build it around Bray. They also have like Finn, kind of like a, a demon type character. So you know they got things they could play with. Anyways, they could probably build those two guys up to the first Halloween Havoc coming in October if they wanted to, and then they could just carry it on from there. Boy, if I was if I was creative, I would be all over that. You could do a, a think of the year long buildup for that 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 could take place. And that's the thing. I mean, if this was fans, people in general, they need everything instantly now. You know, you get everything instantly on the internet. You get the information instantly. Cell phone. You don't have to go to your home to to make a call anymore. Everything's instant. So to have – it's not like back in the day where you could do a year-long buildup. Um, the closest thing they had to it was Rock and Cena when they built the WrestleMania main event match for a year. It, it can be done if they do it right. Um, and maybe this is one of those things. But people – I wish they had more of long buildups. But it just seems like they're not doing it as much. What WWE is doing good right now is they're planting little seeds – like the the Braun Strowman Brock, like he came out um, weeks ago and Braun said, "I you know I have my eye on you, Brock." 
And you know that's going to lead to a match in a few months. So that's good that they're doing a slow, long buildup. And same with Bray Wyatt and Finn. It seems like they're going on a program now. A couple weeks ago, they planted a seed. So I like that they're doing that. That's that's old school. I like that they're they're getting back to that finally. Oh yeah, I, that is one of my favorite things is is having to tune in. The what I miss growing up is must see TV appointment TV. We didn't have DVRs, we didn't have any mm-hmm. of that stuff, and you had to watch every week to understand what was going on. Now in wrestling, I really feel like you could take three weeks off, come back, and know exactly what's going on. So I love the fact that you have these long buildups epic buildups would be great yeah i agree i mean i think i i used to before the dvr days i think we already talked about this but uh you know my we i had to watch raw um we didn't get it live on monday night and at the time we can watch it on tsn in canada but it was at midnight and i'm in high school i, I can't stay up till from midnight till two in the morning and then wake up at you know six o'clock in the morning and go to school so what i would do was I'd say, all right, night, mom. I'm going to bed. And she's like, it's nine o'clock. I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm sleeping from nine to 12. I'm waking up at 12, watching two hours of Raw. And I'm going back to bed at two, you know, thinking like, oh, that's my eight hours of sleep right there, which, you know, it doesn't work like that. But that's how I watched wrestling. I was that big of a fan. I would go to bed early on Mondays just to wake up at midnight to watch that two hour episode. Were you the most popular wrestling kid in school because you would come with all the information of what happened that night? Um, y- yeah, I think so. Well, here's the thing with that. Um, a lot of the other guys, um, we talked about uh, American Satellites. We talked about that a couple of podcasts ago. And some of my other buddies, you know, their parents had the American satellite so they could watch the USA network and they could watch it live at nine o'clock. So some of those guys could watch it. So I didn't want to be them talking and I get to school on Tuesday and they're talking about it. I'm like, well, I haven't seen it yet, you know? Um, so I would just want to watch it. And then that way come school on Tuesday, I could talk about it with them because they've already seen it at nine o'clock and got their great eight hours of sleep. Okay. That, that makes sense. I, I I can see that, you know. I'm fortunate being American that you know I got to watch it live. Uh, unfortunately, as we said in a few podcasts, I was a WCW guy. I missed out on a lot of the WWF stuff because watching it, you got one or the other. You you know you couldn't go back and and watch it all over. Yeah, you could. The only thing that was, and eventually when I got the satellite, um, you know, uh, Nitro started at eight. So I was able to watch that first hour, which was good because it kind of introduced me to the cruiserweights and all that stuff. And Jericho was usually in the first hour, Malenko, Guerrero, all that, all those guys. So, I mean, that was cool. But, you know, I, I was switching over to Raw, definitely. I mean, that was just me. Let me ask you one fanboy question. What, who's the last wrestler you talked to via text or phone call? Um, Zach Gowan, actually. I, I talked to him via face-to-face on Saturday, which is, so once again, phase one of potentially going back to wrestling, potentially, I say, because it's, it's not 100%. One of the, part of my phase one is like, you know what, let me go to some independent shows, see if I even like hanging out in the area, shooting the breeze with the boys, watching the show, see what's evolved since I've been out of wrestling. And uh, 
yeah, Zach Gallon was on the show. So I, I decided to go to a show. Zach was there. You know, we shot the breeze, some good old times. And, uh, yeah, it was all good. Good show. What What's the next show you're going to? Um, you know, I'm probably going to stop by with you. Mm-hmm. Um, the ROH show um, a week from, uh, well, May 10th. May 10th. On that Wednesday, yeah. I, I'm, I'm probably not going to stay for the whole thing. Um, you know, got kids and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I think I'm going to stop by, see who's on the show, say hi to my buddies. Um, it'll be a good time. Oh, see, that I, I, I'm so happy that we're friends now because I could do that stuff. I, I, like I said before, I don't know the last time I went to a real wrestling show before I met you. I think it was to see you finally wrestle once. Oh, yeah. at uh, The Taylor, Taylor. That was in Taylor, yeah. Michigan, yeah. Yeah, they just had a show on Saturday, too, and I was kind of tossed up. I'm like, uh, do I go to this Taylor show, or do I go to this one in Brighton? And I never checked out the one in Brighton before, so I, I just decided to go to that one, and, you know, it is what it is. Hey, Numb but, Nuts, uh, you, you were, like, in my backyard. You should have texted me for a beer or something. You were, you're near Brighton? Yeah, I'm out in um, Milford. Oh. Well, then I should have. Yeah. I definitely should have. Way to go. Next time. You you ruined it now, Mike. It, it, it was a last-minute thing. I, I You know, I said to the wife, and I'm like, hey, I'm thinking of going to one of these shows tonight. She's like, yeah, babe, go ahead. You know, it's hilarious. My wife is so supportive. She's totally not into wrestling. Like, like knows nothing about it. I'll give you an example, all right? Mm-hmm. So do you remember that Raw where Bret Hart finally came back after – 10 years, whatever, and he confronted Shawn Michaels face-to-face. Shook his hand. We didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, and hugged and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm sitting on the couch watching it. My wife's trying to talk to me, and I never blow her off (laughs) when it comes to, like, um, you know, stuff like that. I'm like, oh, I'll I'll, I'll listen to you. Uh, You know, this TV can wait. But I've been waiting for this. You know, the Montreal Screwjob. I've been waiting for this forever. I wanted to see what was happening. So I was like, babe, hold on. Have a seat. Watch this. And so we watch the segment. Then after the segment, they go to commercial. And she's like, so who's that old guy or whatever she said? I don't know. The guy with the cowboy hat or whatever. <laughs> and I said, that's Shawn Michaels. That's Brad. And I, I explain the whole Montreal screw job, right? And I'm, like, even doing animations, like, with the sharpshooter and the ref gets up. And then the little, I'm doing it all. And she's, like, really into it, right? She's, she's listening to it. And she's like, wow, babe, that's awesome. So then later on, after Raw, we get ready for bed. And, uh. I kind of bring it up again. She's like, you know what, babe? I got to stop you right there. She says, I have no idea what you are talking about. And I'm like, what? I'm like, but you've been listening to me. She's like, yeah, because you were so into it, telling the story. I, uh, you know, I just, I, I thought it was great you telling the story, but I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't, I don't know what a sharpshooter is. <laughs> and I'm like, hold on. I said, I do a sharpshooter every single match. I, I do. And she's like, yeah, I still don't know. And I said, do you, okay. I said, do you, do you know what like an arm drag is? And she's like, um, no. And I said, well, what do you think it is? She's like, well, when I think of an arm drag, I think of like, you know, you're, you're grabbing a guy by the arm and dragging him kind of like a dead body. And I'm like, oh my God. And I had no idea that, you know, I thought an arm drag was like so universal. Like people knew what an arm drag is or a hip toss or, you know, anything like that. And, so then I started tweeting it out, like, 
I, I'd ask her opinion and I'd tweet out like, this is what my wife says an arm drag is. This is what my wife says this is. And then people started asking me like, ask her what a shining wizard is. So I'd ask her and then I tweet out her response and all that stuff. And, Can you bring that back? Uh, you know, it's, it's somewhere on my, my, uh, I think I got it written down somewhere because I it was so hilarious. I'll, I'll find it and I'll bring it for our next podcast. You you know what you we need to do? What bring bring the equipment? Make her sit down and watch a raw with us, and and have and and record a podcast of just her thoughts and feelings of, you know, you could almost. Too bad we couldn't do it where we took the names away and be like, who do you think that guy's name is? Dude, I'm, I'm telling you, and it is so awesome because. Everybody we talked about wrestling likes wrestling. They understand wrestling. Well, I don't know if they understand wrestling, but they, they know the moves. They understand the concept, all that stuff. She understands the concept. She gets it. She's just not into it. It's not it's not her thing, you know, which I even love her more for because I don't have to sit there and get – if I don't want to talk about wrestling, she doesn't bombard me with wrestling, right? So that's that's perfect relationship. Um, but what I did at Payback, like she sat down for a second and – you know, I had to bring the dog outside to take a leak and take a shower and stuff. And I'm like, ah, but all these matches look good on paper. And I'm like, when's this women's match up? Because I don't want to, sorry, I'm just not into women's wrestling. They could be the best. It just, that's just not my thing. All right. Okay. So I go, uh, I see the women's match coming up. I'm like, all right, babe, see ya. So I, I do all the stuff I got to do. I come back right at the end of the match. And she's been sitting on the couch the whole time. And I said, Oh, I said Alexa Bliss won. I'm like, what happened? She's like, I don't know. I wasn't watching. <laughs> That's what we need to do. Not make her watch Raw, but we make her sit down. And, and we ask some questions. We ask her questions. Pictures or something like that. Yes, we show her pictures of you know current and past wrestlers and ask her to guess their names. And maybe even <laughs> throw up like YouTube videos of different moves and ask her, what do you think this move is called? Oh, That's perfect. Let's put that, see, I did it backwards. I said, hey, what do you think? Uh, oh, man, I, there was a good one. I said, what do you think a super kick is? Because, you know, no, if you don't if you don't watch wrestling, you don't know what a super kick is. Yeah. So you would think like something bizarre. You, you know, it'd be a kick somewhere. But what's so super about it? You know what I mean? I agree. So I did it backwards. It, it, it was awesome. Like, I loved it because, you know, wrestling's not her thing and it's it's great because i could actually see it and what's good is sometimes when she does watch it she'll analyze it from a normal person uh, like like we're not normal people but like from a normal non-wrestling fan's perspective and it's so great to see it that way they almost need like her writing for wwe so she could be like uh no that doesn't make sense or that does or why would you do that you know i i think we have something here pete you, we just need her to sign off on it like, hey, hun, for for like an hour, we're going to make you look like a fool, but it's for all for humor. And be careful because sometimes she listens to us talk on this podcast. So, Hi. Yeah, yeah right? Hi. Hi, babe. Love but, you. But <laughs> listen, I think there's something to be said for someone, and, and I, I kind of know her. I think she can take a good joke, and I can oh, yeah. be the butt of a joke. You can be the butt of a joke, and I think in this instance – she could be the butt of a good joke. Yeah, and especially, you know, because, well, first, we're calling people that aren't wrestling fans normal. So, civilians. That's us the butt of the joke right there. <laughs> we're, the, we're the civilians. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, 
what what else do we want to talk about before we wrap this up? I think you got another story in you. Come on. Um, I don't, I don't. Do you want to talk about uh, Xbox just got arrested? Oh yeah, there we go. There was a story that he had disappeared, and that's kind of. Then I thought I saw something where they found him, and he wasn't really gone. But that was that was the last I kind of followed that story. What happened? Um, I don't know really what happened, but I saw on Twitter like somebody say, "Hey, you know, Xbox alive and well." Um, you know, he he like cause instantly you start thinking like, "Is he dead?" You know, you don't want to think that, but that's what some people start thinking. They're like, "No, he's alive and well. We saw him. Whatever." You know, I guess he got arrested on a felony charge. Don't know what it is. Um, they set bail. I don't know if he posted bail, but you know, he's out. But I tell you what, man, Xbox. Um, Super cool guy. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever had interactions with him, but no. dude, uh, like, I, I, he'll he'll work so hard. And I, I remember going back to um, primetime wrestling. I was talking about before when we used to do double shots with Border City. Um, Scott Demore had booked him for Border City. It was one of the first times I ever met him. And dude, he was like so nice and like actually watched the TNA product and was giving me props and stuff. And I'm like, man, that's super cool because you know I used to. You know, watch him. We all did when I was high school, and uh, then the next day he wasn't booked on the primetime wrestling show, but he showed up anyways. And uh, the guy was like, "Hey, man, I don't got you booked, you know." And he goes, "Dude, I don't care. You don't have to pay me, man. I just want to wrestle." I'm like, "Dude, who? What ex WWE guy says that? Like, who? Seriously, who says that?" So I remember the match, and what was funny about it was, uh, uh, well, he wrestled Monty Brown, right? Mm -hmm. And man, X-Pac was doing dives and stuff, man. He gave her, like, he was he was going all out. And I'm like, jeez, and Monty's, like, beating the crap out of him. X-Pac's bumping for him. I'm like, dude, you're not even getting paid for this. And then, you know, the match ends with a big pounce that Monty Brown does and looks great. X-Pac sold it. Awesome. And then he pinned him, and then that was that. And then Monty Brown does his, you know, beauty shot, leaves. And then X-Pac's still laying in the ring, right? And then... I don't. I think he asked the ref for a mic, and he's just laying down in the ring, you know, looking up at the lights. And he grabs the mic, and he's like, "Sorry, I lost, guys." <laughs> That's all he said. <laughs> I was like, what? This is awesome. Uh, yeah, but Xbox man, he he's super cool. What's good is, uh, um, you know, I think I did read that he didn't relapse, so that's always good to hear. That's great. Um, so I mean, it's gonna be interesting to see. He said he's gonna talk about it on his podcast, so I'm sure more will come out. Uh, what happened and what the I'm interested to know what the felony charge was I mean that's pretty serious stuff it's not a misdemeanor I mean uh, it has to be something from his past right I mean yeah it's, it was I mean I don't know where he lives and we're all speculating at this point of, yeah. of when and how but if I were if I were to put on my Columbo hat and do my detective work which I'm definitely known for of course yeah. I would be willing to guess that this is something several 10 Five years in the past that just kind of caught up with them is my guess. Yeah, and you know the way felony charges work, like um, or, or felony warrants, I should say, something could have happened in his past, um, and then you know where he was cl cleared of charges, and then something came up that they were investigating. I don't know, and then they issue a felony warrant. They don't tell you that hey, you have a felony warrant because they won't tell felonies that they have a warrant because they'll flee the country or whatever, right? So he might have just got picked up on some old stuff, which, you know, is probably that's it. But once again, speculation. Oh, my gosh. I just got it. I just what? got your newest gimmick. 
what's that? The Canadian gossiper, P.D. Williams. <laughs> oh, you know who used to do a gimmick like that? Who? Which it, it never got any steam. And you probably don't remember it. So Joey Legend. Okay. Used to do Just Joe in the WWE. I mean, it was very, very short lived, and he would go up and uh, talk to people like, "Hey, did you, did you hear this?" You know, and he would kind of like get gossip around to get like people pissed at each other and all that kind of stuff, which I think is a great gimmick because if you ever want to start a feud, you know, and don't have any means to do it, you could just have just Joe do the, the gossiping and stuff. So, um, but it was super short lived. I think I, months, maybe, I don't even know it might be weeks. I don't know. The Canadian that's a, that's gossiper. Good, you know, maybe, would you say PD gossip PD what? The Canadian gossiper PD Williams. The Canadian gossiper. Then people are going to think I'm just going to talk about Canadian stuff. I don't know, but you are Canadian. <laughs> Actually, I'm American now, but whatever. Uh, wait, you had to marry for your green card. Let's. Oh, let's... no, 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 no. My wife is Canadian, too. Oh. Yeah, no, I, I, I did the... Oh, yeah, I did marry for my, my green card, but then I got my citizenship and all that kind of stuff on my own. <sighs> yeah, man, that's almost like me going into wrestling now at this stage of my life if i called you and said guess what i'm going to a wrestling school i'm going to be a wrestler you go now you're never going to be a wrestler hey never say never man remember ddp 35 years old started his wrestling career wow do you do you have a ddp story before we wrap this up seems like Um, everybody does yeah ddp (laughs) well he wrestled for tna for a little bit i'm just trying to think of one really quick and uh it was at the time when um uh, I was still exhibition champion on my first run. Uh, just just went over on AJ Styles at the pay-per-view. Um, and I think the next pay-per-view I had to wrestle Chris Sabin. And we had a hell of a match. It was just overshadowed because I think that was the pay-per-view where uh, Elix Skipper walked the top of the cage. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. you remember that, but you don't I... remember me and Sabin's match. No. Uh, I but we had a hell of a match. Were you guys on that card? <laughs> <laughs> that that was a <laughs> I like that. Ah, good one. Yeah, haha. I got jokes. Rip shot right now. Um, <laughs> so DDP's like watching it in the back. People are telling me, and Saban does this thing where he does like I don't know. I go for something, and he does this like flipping over thing, and then right into a pile driver on me, and then DDP goes, "Man, that was a great match," and he starts walking away, and it's one, two, kick out, and DDP's like, "What?" You know, so. Afterwards, he pulled me aside and, uh, you know, he said, good match, good match, you know, and he's really um, putting it over and stuff. And he's like, you know what I think you need? And I'm like, what's that, DDP? And he goes, some yoga. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> he goes, and he starts talking about it and stuff like that. And this is just when it was just scratching the surface. Like, it's not as big. The DDP's yoga is not as big as it is today. It's just like. He had his first book written. He's trying to promote it and stuff like that. Um, you know, he's doing the yoga next to the ring before the match to get other guys involved in it. You know, doesn't have the followers that he has now. And he's like, yeah, you should you should get my book and you should check it out. Yoga would really help with you. You know, you, you take a lot of bumps in the ring and there would, you know, you'd have more longevity in your career. And we're talking about that. And I was like, okay. But then I'm like, yeah, that's that's never going to happen. I'm probably not going to do that. I'm thinking of that in my head. And now I'm thinking like later on, I'm like, man, I should have probably, it's, it's huge now, DDP yoga. You know, he was on Shark Tank, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was like, man, I, 
I should have jumped on that DDP bandwagon back in like 2004 or five or whenever that was. It's not too late now. Well, 13 years later or whatever it is. There we go. PD, where can people find you, bud? Uh, find me on Twitter at uh, I PD Williams. That's right, where you can maybe find more of the Ask the Wife. I like that. That's going to be good. <laughs> you can follow me. Ask, at, the, ask the Wife, hashtag Ask the Wife. Hashtag Ask the Wife. I like, I like it. I think it could be. You could turn that into a YouTube thing. I, I, you know, it, it, it was a big thing on Twitter that day, like that night. It was like 11 o'clock at night or whatever. And people were like sending in their stuff, like, ask her this, ask her this, ask her this. And I'm like, geez. But I never ran with it. I think you should do it once a week for 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? Maybe I'll, I'll have, well, first, I'll have to hashtag ask the wife to see if she wants to, uh, to do that. <laughs> Oh man, she's gonna be so pissed. No, she won't. I, <laughs> I think she, I think she finds would find the humor in all of this. Yeah. Because, yeah. Because I, just if she had a hobby, and I don't, I don't know. Let's let's assume uh, she had a hobby, and it was something like she loved, you know, Pretty Little Liars or a TV show like that. I don't know, and that she would sit you down and go, "Who's who? Do you think that girl's name is?" As she's doing something stupid, you'd play along. It'd be oh, great. I definitely would. But I'm a dude, man. I'm a guy. Guys don't care about that stuff. But uh, no, she she has a great sense of humor. So I mean, um, yeah, maybe we can get that going. Hashtag, hashtag ask the wife. You know, why don't we ask uh, the people that listen to our podcast to get some uh, questions for her, and then uh, I'll shoot them over and see what she says. I, I think it's it's funnier when it comes out of my mouth. I think. Um. Than when it comes out of her mouth. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll... I, I don't. I, I could be wrong, but uh, I don't know. I mean, we should give this shot. We we got to play with it. I think. I I'll, I'll text the guy that listens and ask him. All right. <laughs> PD, thank you so much, bud. I'll see you. Uh, see you again later. All right, man.